You are about to enjoy a presentation recorded at the 2022 Michigan Conference Camp Meeting held at Cedar Lake, Michigan. We pray that the Lord will bless you as you listen. Father in heaven, we come before you thanking you for for just calling us your children and us being able to know you as our Heavenly Father. And we long for the rest of the world to get to know you as their Heavenly Father as well. And we've had this wonderful opportunity to be able to see many people come to America, and we want to reach out and befriend them and find ways to introduce them to how good you are. And so today I pray that your Holy Spirit will be with us and that you will teach us new insights, your insights, Lord. Just hide us behind the cross of Jesus and that you would be seen in what you want to have shared Um, Help us to all learn from each other today, and we're so grateful that we can be here in your precious name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Julie and I work with ASAP Ministries with a project called Reach the World Next Door. And for those who are listening online who may be hearing for the first time, and for those who just came this morning, there are two websites we'd like you to know about, and we'll share about a third one later. One is asapministries.org which has projects around the world, specifically in Southeast Asia, but also among the persecuted elsewhere. And those projects involve church planting, medical missionary work, and a lot of schools that are supported among refugees as well as others. So many on the Korean Thai border, the I should say Burma and Thai border there. And then reachtheworldnextdoor.com has our information on reaching out cross-culturally. And there are a lot of resources there that you can find. Um, So I encourage you to look there. Um, I want to open our time with um, thoughts from the scripture, as we have been. And I invite you to go to Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8 is a story that, that used to just, you know, blip over in my mind. And I would think, what's that doing there? And because it's the feeding of the 4,000. In fact, some scholars, as they were looking, they just assumed that this was a mistake, that this was some later edition. You know, there's the feeding of the 5,000. Someone got it wrong and it got stuck in. But it obviously is not the case. As we look at it, it's there for a very specific and amazing reason that connects directly to reaching the world next door that God has sent. And so it says there in chapter 8 of Mark, it says, in those days... The multitude being very great and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples to him and said to them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now continued with me three days and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away hungry to their own houses, they will faint on the way, for some of them have come from afar. Now, is your mind going back to the feeding of the 5,000 at all? Are you comparing it yet? Begin to, in your mind, think about it. Think about, okay, we have a difference in numbers, obviously, 5,000 and 4,000. It's focused on men, so we don't know women and children. But Jesus, in the feeding of the 5,000, goes all day long, full speed, teaching and healing, and the people are soaking it up, and nobody's thinking about food except the disciples. who are getting hungry, and who are concerned about what should they do with all these people. And so they ask Jesus to send them home. And he says, no, you can feed them. And they find the five loaves and the two fish. 
They seat, seat them and they feed them, and everybody's so excited they want to make Jesus king. But this is different here. How long are they teaching and listening and learning? Three days. Three days. And do the disciples come and ask for the people to be fed or to be sent home? Not a bit. It's Jesus that has to turn to them and say, they've been with me three days with nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry. Has the feeding of the 5,000 happened already? Yeah. It has. So what should the disciples be saying? Do it again. Yes, Lord, do it again. Do that trick again. We want to see it. We are so excited. Why are they not asking in fact, when Jesus says to that, says something about it, verse 4, it says, His disciples answered him, How can one satisfy these people with bread here in the wilderness? And so we have our clue of what's wrong and why this is so different. These people are who? Are they Jews? They are not. If we look back in the previous chapter, in chapter 7, it says in verse 31, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. What happened here before? This is the place where Jesus, after calming the storm, landed on the shore, got out with his disciples, came walking along, when suddenly a man came ripping down the mountain with chains around his arms, blood spattered, hair matted, ugly, probably smelling, and absolutely frightening. They fled, except for Jesus. And Jesus cast the Spirit out. And when this man was clothed and in his right mind, instead of allowing, being allowed to go with Jesus as one of his disciples, Jesus sends him back and says, Tell your people what great things I have done for you. Because those herd those pig herders had lost their pigs, cared more about their livelihood and their pigs than a man clothed in his right mind, and sent Jesus away. But Jesus had reached one of the people next door to Capernaum, to Galilee. And now he's come back, and they have, they have come together to hear for themselves. So this is, this is I'm sorry. I'm just You're putting it together, right? These, these now 4,000 are the ones that probably that crazy man um, who came back and witnessed after God, after Jesus healed him. This is the group that he got ready. Undoubtedly, some of them have heard from him, and others have heard from others. There's a man who's healed um, from, his, from his speech and, and hearing impediment right before them. But so this is why they're looking around and they're saying the Messianic feast is not for these people. It's for us. But Jesus says, no, that's not the case. How many loaves do you have? He has them take the seven loaves and some fish and sits them down and they feed the whole multitude and he blesses it and they took up seven large baskets of leftover fragments, fully complete. 4,000, a symbol of of the world that Jesus wants to reach. Amen? Amen? So I want you to look up with me at the screen here. And if you are listening online, go to joshuaproject.net and find where it talks about global statistics. In the global statistics that we have for unreached people groups around the world, we often hear two different numbers, one in the 7,000s and one in the 4,000s.
I like to go with the 4001, not because it's smaller, but because it, to me it's more accurate. Because it's counting Hmong people on this side of the border of Myanmar, as well as on this side in Thailand and over here in Vietnam and Laos one time, instead of counting them four times. They may be a bit different, and getting to them may be more difficult in the country of Laos than in the country of Thailand. But they are still one unreached people group spread out, and also now here in the United States. Nevertheless, 4,531 people groups are distinct people groups with different languages, different culture, as in Myanmar, again in Burma, if you go up one side of the mountain, you're hearing a language, and when you stop and you watch their weddings or their funerals, they're done a certain way. And then when you come down the other side of the mountain, you may hear another language of a totally different people group burying and marrying in a different way. And so a gospel shared must be adapted for this group and language and this group and language. And Jesus said to us, this gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world as a witness unto the ethne. Not the nations, not the country, but the nations of peoples, the unique people groups of the world, of which we have so many, still waiting to know Jesus. This is why it is extremely important that as we're considering the needs of refugees in this seminar and in our communities, that we stop and we think about where they have come from. Every single person matters to Jesus. Black, white, Hispanic, native-born, foreign-born, they matter to Jesus. But there are those who have never had an opportunity to hear the gospel because there's barriers of language, culture, religion, and friendships. Because there are many, many who have never had an opportunity to meet a Christian like you. And so they are separated and distinctly um, distinctly in need of the gospel. And Jesus says, I'm waiting to come back until you've taken my good news to them. He loves them. He wants them. He wants to see them in his kingdom. One more text to look at with you as the foundation of what we're talking about this morning and want to be about. Acts chapter 17, verse 22. Paul, the great missionary, the one who was passionate to go and lay a foundation where nobody else had ever gone as others still sat back in Jerusalem, sharing the gospel with the Jews, but forgetting that each of them was also called to go to Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So in Acts chapter 17, he's in one of those places. He's in Greece. He's before the men of Athens, and he's talking to them. Verse 22, he says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in all things you are very religious, for as I was passing through and considering the objects of your worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. Therefore, the one whom you wish worship without knowledge, him I proclaim to you, God, who made the world and everything in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything, since he gives to all life, breath, and all things. And he has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and the boundaries of their dwellings so that they should seek the Lord in the hope that they might grope for him and find him, though he is not far from each of us, for in him we live and move and have our, own, have our being. 
Can't you hear his passion? Can't you hear his joy, his excitement to share with people who've never heard? So much we can learn from what he did there at Athens. But the part I want us to see is that he declared that God has preordained the boundaries of nations so they could seek after him. So when we look at Afghanistan, a place where we've not had a Seventh-day Adventist church ever, and we've seen it go up and down through wars, which have been the results of the failures of mankind, whether their own governments or more often outside governments like Russia and the United States playing their war games across their lands, that we see that God works out his will through the righteousness that exalts a nation and the evil that causes a nation to fall. And so through the suffering, through the horrible things that happen, we see the ugliness of sin, the righteousness of God's law, and he works through this to bring about good for as many as he possibly can. As they pour over into Pakistan, into Iran, into Uzbekistan, into other countries, as they come to the United States, they are brought to the place where they can meet people who know Jesus Christ and the salvation God has given to Afghans. This is part of his plan. It is in his providence, as we read in Evangelism, page 570, that God has brought them to our doors and thrust them, as it were, into our arms that they might be reached and be able to share the truth with those we could not reach back in Afghanistan. God is wanting to use us, and he is wanting us to recognize the strategic nature of what he has done and how he wants to reach the world through our next-door neighbors. Amen? Amen? It moves me every time I look at these stories of Jesus and these scriptures to see that God has a special plan, a special um, work that he wants to do. And now I want to move to you, and I want to, um, Julie, can you help me? And, and, and Pastor Steve, can you take this side and just place in front of people one of these unreached people groups that is in Michigan. Now these are cards that you can find, and for those listening online, you can go to Joshua, not Joshua Project anymore. Um, you can go to Reach the World Next Door and forward slash Michigan, and you will see these prayer cards at the bottom. We also have some that we will post soon on, on the site as well under the least reached that you can print out for other places in the United States and Canada. But here at Reach the World Next Door forward slash Michigan, you can see some of these. And if you didn't like the one you took, then you better pray for them. <laughs> no. If you want to look at a different one, I'm going to print out some cards later that have um, some instructions on the back, and we'll add that to the site so that you can use these in your churches and among young people in different places to help people take an interest. Um, but there are more here from Detroit, from Grand Rapids. I'm not able to put on there the information for um, some of the smaller towns because that's not collected in the demographics and the things that I could find. At peoplegroups.info, we've got a little slow internet connection here. Um, let me see if it's easier with the guest Wi-Fi. The, at peoplegroups.info, you will find a breakdown for all the metropolitan areas across North America. 
And there you can look up and see who's come to that city so that you can go there and, and find that. Um, Thank you, Julie. JoshuaProject.net is an excellent, excellent site. And I'll give you one more place that you can look, and that's GlobalGates.info. GlobalGates.info has amazing, amazing infographics that you can use to help people know of the needs. Um, so, so now that you have in front of you one of the unreached people groups, I want to, I want to just, just have you say where they're from and where they are. Don't read to us the numbers because that our minds just kind of blank out. But just hold up your card and tell us where they're from and and where they're living. Hmong, they're scattered around through China, Laos, Thailand, Vietnam, mostly animists. Okay, and they are here in? Well, we have some in Varian Springs. Okay, and Detroit and Grand Rapids. Oh, I'm sorry. Thank yes. you. Okay. Very good. Thank you, David. This is Hindi from India, primarily Hindu. Detroit, 28,611. Grand Rapids, 541. Yeah. Uh, a Syrian from Iraq, Syrian in Iran. Mostly Syriac Christian, Christians, I mm -hmm. Detroit, 121. Thank you. So I've included a couple like Vietnamese and Chinese and Assyrian, which have more than the allotted amounts where we consider them unreached people groups. If there are more than, if there's more than two out of a hundred people who are Christians in their group, they're not considered unreached. Okay, even if there's 97% Muslims, they're not considered unreached because at least there's some Christians who can share. But they're still very much in need. And we as Seventh-day Adventists especially have a message for others like who are from the Orthodox Christian backgrounds, which is very similar to Catholicism. So that's why we've included the Syrian here. Gretchen? Gujarati from India, basically 100% Hindu. Detroit, 15,895. Wow. wow. 15,000 in Detroit. Wow. How about over here, sister? Can I this for me? All right. That, yes, that's a little harder to read. Albanian gag and Tosk with um, less than 5% evangelical Christian. Oh, okay. Very small from Albania. In, in okay, so I have Albania gag and Tosk. We have 10,874 in Detroit. Tusk and 4,700 gig. Okay, so both from the same country, but two different people groups that are in need of the gospel. Arab, Egyptian, from Egypt, 100% Muslim in Detroit, 1,936. Okay, wow. There are Egyptian Christians that are with the Coptic Church, but they have separated them because they're so distinctly different so in the statistics, there's Arab Egyptians and Arab Egyptian um, Christians. This is Serbian from Serbia and Bosnia-Herzegovina, uh, primarily Eastern Orthodox, and we're finding them in Detroit. Thank you. And over here, young lady, what's your name? Lisa. Nice to have you here, Lisa. All right. Um, this is Afghan. They're from Afghanistan, and they're, um, they're over 90%. Muslim, 99% Muslim. Mm -hmm. They're in Kent, Kalamazoo, Washington, uh, and Detroit, in Michigan. 
Thank you. More and more Afghans all over our country. Good morning. Welcome. And Kim. The Khmer people from Cambodia, primarily Buddhist. Detroit has about 500 so far. Not so many, but important to the Lord. Uh, Vietnamese, as you mentioned, are one of the rare ones. So Vietnamese are mostly Buddhists. And in Detroit, there are about 5,000 uh, in Detroit. And then Grand Rapids, almost about 5,000 too. Well, important group. Thank you, Julie. Japanese from Japan, less than 2% Christian. Detroit, 2,280. Grand Rapids, 272. Well, thank you. Sharon. Chinese, Mandarin from China and elsewhere. Many are Buddhist and secular atheists. Detroit, 13,350. Grand Rapids, 1,162. Thank you. Pastor Chin, welcome. Hi. Marathi uh, from India, 99% Hindu. Detroit area, 1,785. Thank you. Thank you. So there's many more up here. We won't go through all of them right now, but it helps us to slow down and to say, these are the ones that our eyes especially should be open to because the statistics show that between 60 and 70% of Buddhists, Hindus, Muslims, Jews in North America have no Christian friends. Now that would make sense if they were over there in Somalia and Afghanistan. Well, it'd be more like 100% no Christian friends. But here, still, 60 to 70%, not even a single friend. So we want to change that. So Julie, how do we begin to do this? I mean, some of them already have refugee friends. They already have connections, but others of us don't. And some who are listening may be thinking about this for the first time, that these people have come here and that I don't have any friends except those who go to my church or speak English like me or have Christian background. How can we begin to, to find them? When I, when I was brought aware of this, um, I started praying for Somali. I had the card that, that said Somali, and it was 99% Muslim. And I thought, you know what? In Houston, I'm sure that there are some from Somalia. And we were, gonna, we were speaking at a church, and um, afterwards we were going to take him into the neighborhood and, see, and start reaching out. And we gathered together to pray before we left. And we prayed, I specifically prayed for that we would meet a Somalia that, uh, someone from Somali that day. And we kept knocking on the apartment doors and, um, and I heard, I heard my husband saying down below, it's time to come back. And I said, one more door. So my friend Soso and I went to one last door. And at that one last door, a nice looking young Somali, um, young man, about 22, got, um, opened the door. And I knew that God wanted us to be a friend with him. And I know when we start praying the booklet, the, the praying for the world next door, or taking this, keeping it in our Bible, praying until we see and meet some of these that we're, we're praying for, God is going to lead them across our path. And I praise God for Fuad. His name was Fuad, and he's been our friend for about four years. Um, we've had studies with him. He comes to the park when we... Um, eat together, and one one day when we were at the park and we'd been talking for a couple hours, um, he all of a sudden just it dawned on him, and he he stopped talking and he said, 
you know, if I was in my country right now, we could not share what we're just openly talking about. And it just kind of dawned on him that he's able to ask questions and dialogue with a Christian and in a country that's free. So pray for Fuad and pray for the ones that are in front of you. Fuad loves his Islam background and religion very much and has earnestly shared it with me and we have open dialogue and conversation and he values that so much. Mm -hmm. um, so you're saying that a big part of our beginning as we're aware of this, then we move to prayer and we say, God, give me your divine encounters with people who are searching for you, who are looking for you. Yes, yes. And we know this is God's plan and he's eager to get us home. And so he knows that these are the children that still need to know so multiple times this has happened, and I know it's happened with you as you're out there too. God is leading us to the ones that are seeking or the ones that need to be reached. So on our knees, Amen. number one. Amen. <laughs> so in the last couple of days, we've been talking about connecting with the needs around us of refugees who've moved nearby, and in turn, finding out who are the refugee resettlement agencies that are in our communities. At the website reachtheworldnextdoor.com forward slash Michigan, you'll find as many as we could find online that are out there. But like today, I just heard that Samaritus is also in Holland. And so you, you just have to search and find and connect with them. And that can open up the way, as it has for, for some of you already, to make friendships with others who are reaching out, Christian and non-Christian, and then through that, be able to meet in a natural way, a natural setting, other people. What we're talking about today is the reality that beyond refugees, and refugees as well, you can meet people from these unreached countries, unreached people groups, in the market, at the grocery store, wherever we go. And, and so it's about being friendly. I'm standing in the line at Aldi's, the grocery store there in Texas, in our town. And I see a guy walking into the aisle about the same time as me with two handfuls of flowers, two bouquets, one in each hand. And I smile and I said, that looks like something really nice to do, unless it's for two different girlfriends. And he laughed and he said, no, just one. She's going through a hard time. And uh, I thought I'd get her two bouquets today. I said, oh, that's sweet. And we got started talking just by being friendly. Turns out he was from Turkey. And I was able to share with him in my language, my life card, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But Julie, when we first meet somebody, when we first make that friendship and contact, we can be friendly and talk, but often that's as far as it goes. How can we follow up from there? Tell them just about what happened when you saw um, a lady in Lowe's and, and she looked like maybe she might be from Cambodia. I just was in the aisle um, looking for something, and I behind me in my back, I heard a familiar language, and it was Khmer. And so she was there with her daughter and her husband. And so I just tapped her on the shoulder, and I said, Tumrit Sur, Soksabaitiate. And she just got so excited, and she just actually hugged me right there in the. And I, she was a total stranger, but because I was just, I knew that, you know, I knew that to say. Um, and it started another friendship, and I can't say that it's done. We've been friends for four years. She, she sells donuts in our, in our town. But we have loved on her. We've given her some Bible studies. We continue helping her with her children um, at times. 
So yes, it can be just as easy as trying to find some, seeing someone in your, when you're shopping, um, praying that God would give you an eye. Because sometimes we just go in there and quickly buy what we need and we're out the door. But if we start saying, Lord, give me eyes to see people from other countries. And even if you can't speak, you can be friendly. And you can always have one of those My Language, My Life cards that we're going to talk to you about in your purse or your wallet. And that can be your the, language The part them. about the contact is that they exchanged information. Oh, yeah. Julie may have said, here's my contact information. Can I have yours? And by offering yours first, it's not as awkward as, can I have your phone number? No, it's, here's my contact. I'd like to keep in touch. And then being able to exchange and have some way to be in touch. Then mm -hmm. I believe you invited her mm -hmm. and her family to come to our house for a meal. We tried to feed them Cambodian curry, which was delicious, but didn't quite taste Cambodian to them. She said, she said, you come to my house next time, and I'll show you how to make Cambodian curry. And so that's how it started, and so we've gone back and forth. Like and now, that. because they're so busy at their donut <laughs> shop, usually we just see them when we stop by at their donut shop, and they try to load us up with donuts, and we try to take a few moments to ask them how they're doing and to pray for them, mm -hmm. to be in touch and to encourage them. And... So it's just those little contexts and trying to be friendly and then ask that question. And sometimes you're like, but what if they don't speak English? Well, they're here and they need to learn English and they'd be happy for you to be friendly okay. to them even if they can't perfectly understand you. They're the ones that are feeling more awkward than you are until you smile, until you're friendly, and then their hearts warm up and they welcome you right in. And they would love to learn to speak English. So if it was one that, and you felt like God was impressing Can you. Can you share this one around? Say, would you like? Do you have somebody who's helping you with, with learning this language? I'll take one of them. Um, they would jump at the chance, and then there's your open door. Say that again, please. I was wandering away from you. Just that that we are, our role in in this country is to help them to to navigate well and be successful. And number one is for them to know the language so that they can go around and get a job. And um, so the sooner they can, the better. So if you did meet somebody who, who wasn't speaking English yet, you may want to ask them, do you have somebody who's teaching you English? Would you like me to teach you a couple times a week? Even if it's over Zoom, um, it's not as, as good, but um, to help them get to the point where they can feel comfortable in this new country as soon as they can, is, is our role. On the paper that you have, it summarizes some of the things we've just been talking about, initial contacts, and then important follow-up. And I just have a couple more questions there under important follow-up. One is, uh, would you like to get together to practice English? I'd love to try Vietnamese food, but I never know what to order. Can I take you out to eat sometime and have you show me? Um, oh, wow, he's offering to take me out to eat. He wants to get to know. He's interested in my country, my food. Um, number three, is there anything that you're finding difficult to do in this new place that I could help you with? That's a good one. And as Shirley mentioned the other day, not just asking them how you can help, but actually asking for a favor, as Jesus did with the Samaritan woman. I really want to learn more about your, your language and your culture. Do you have some pictures that you could show me what it's like back home? Would you tell me more about your culture and help me understand? Those kind of things. 
Or number four, I've always wanted to see what worship at a mosque is like. Could you take me? That might be stepping into a, a new zone for you. But um, think about those options and what else you might say. They do invite you to their home. Take something, something to drink, something yeah. you can eat. You may not be able to eat everything. If they offer you things that's against your conscience, you can be open with them and say, thank you so much. I don't drink such and such. I don't eat such and such. Could I have some water or something different? And and they'll be gracious with that. But if you don't take anything, yeah, it doesn't yeah, feel yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. Feel that thank you. Accepting them. Yes, it feels like you're not accepting them yeah, to turn down what they've offered in hospitality. Surely. This one on the mosque. Can women go into the mosque or not? I'm sure there are parts of the mosque that they can go into. Usually, it would be separate and and divided. Yeah. yeah. Different place. So that's, and you would need to go with a woman. And to go with a woman would be the way to go. So that's those are important questions. This is the big, huge part of being cross-cultural missionaries, is asking questions, being a learner, and listening. So if, if like, especially, specifically Afghan refugees, they like to offer us stuff whenever we see them. But a lot of, time, it's, a lot of times it's stuff we can't eat or drink. And... Um, we said, like, just give us water, but then they didn't have water, so then they went out and bought something you can't drink. What do you do? Uh, that's a good question. As my friend has shared, he said, it's better to wait till maybe they're finally becoming a Christian, and you're teaching them about the health message, and they're like, but wait a minute, you drank that, you ate that, just to be friendly. I need to do that to be friendly with my friends. And so to be lovingly open is a good way to be able to to let them know you're a person of health. They understand not eating pork. So if you have things that you have strong in your conscience that you don't want to do, they will respect that as long as you have that kindness. And the more you can tell in advance, great. Like if, we're, if somebody said, oh, we want to have you come to eat, then we'll tell them a little bit about how we eat while also telling them, but don't worry, there's always something we can eat. We can always eat bread, flat bread. Google Translate. Sign language, Google Translate. Um, those things help. They may not be perfect, but they help. Yes, you were about to say well, something. It's just that the food issue has been a big, a big issue for me. You know, because I don't eat between meals. I don't like to. And I you know, so to offer it or to accept it either way is is a, is something I've wrestled with. Mm -hmm. you know, how, how to handle it. Yeah. So that's where you have to decide what's really essential to you. For me, I don't have to eat me between meals either. But those are the days when I have a little bit of indigestion. Because when I go to their house, that's my sacrifice. Of course, I enjoy eating it too. But that's, you know, I, I have slow digestion, so I don't do well eating between meals. But that's not, that's something I'm willing to do for the friendship that it, it grows in the missionary part of it. That's my little sacrifice, if you even want to call it that. So I think that's where you have to just say, Lord, give me the flexibility when you need me to be flexible and the way to express your love and show me how that looks here. Another thing that we have done is we visit around, if we know certain friends, Afghani friends, we're going to know that if we show up, they'll invite us after 45 minutes, of, and that's another thing we want to say. They don't rush visits. 
They don't do rush visits. So when you go, plan to stay. If you can, unless we're just inviting to the kids program, and we'll go and blitz the um, apartment complex, telling them, you know, that at two thirty we're going to have, you know, then they understand it. Otherwise, they want to have you come in, have tea, visit, have water. Um, and then have a meal, and often we will not eat before we go on these visits because we'll know that at these times we're going to be needing, we're going to be offered food. So you could have your visits around a meal. The other thing I would say is that as you get to know them better, as your closer friends, it's easier to say thank you, but I just ate before I came. Uh, when you visit, sometimes uh, you feel or you just maybe say, well, you can just take a little portion just to show that you, you don't want to offend them. But you, you are, And then, of course, it shouldn't be something that you don't take. For example, if they've offered you pork and you say, well, let me take a little pork. No, you don't have to do that. <laughs> Always stick to your principle. Yeah. So they learn ahead of, right from the onset that you don't take this kind of thing. Yeah. And then as you befriend them, you, you can explain to them why you don't take that. And, and they will learn from you. They will respect you for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. All right. Thank you for sharing. Um, lots of different perspectives on all kinds of areas and things, and it's really helpful to listen and to have you share. I want, I want us to take the next 10 minutes because we want to keep the time at the end for praying for the people that are in your hands. And, but we have one last section that we really want to cover, and that is you may be able to do Google Translate for getting acquainted and for talking about food and stuff, But when it comes to sharing the gospel, mm, that's going to be a bit tougher. And especially in languages where they're still working on improving it. So if you only have a moment and you're in the line at the grocery store and your friend who's from Turkey, your new friend, you don't know if you're ever going to see him again, you want to have something to put in his hand to be able to share. And so mylanguagemylife.com is a website that that is very special to us and is becoming special to many people. And it has over 180 languages with Seventh-day Adventist material, biblical material. So the Jesus film, which has been translated into over a thousand languages by an evangelical group, is straight from the book of Luke. So nothing in it that I've ever found that's against the word of God. The Bible, both written form and audio form, is at these different page sites. And Julie's going to share uh, a story about that. Yes, but first we would like you to open if you have your Actually, phone. Can you share your story first? Okay. I think that's I think sure. that's better because then. Um, and then yes, I'd encourage you to do it on the on your phone so you see how wonderful this little website is. It's an incredible tool. But I want to share with you how I use this. Um, one Sabbath we were in the park and. I had some of my cards with me, and I sat on a bench next to a lady that had a hijab, was wearing a hijab, and she was looking at children playing on the playground, so I just sat next to her and was watching the kids play, and I said hello to her, but she couldn't even say hello back. So I knew, okay, she's really new, either that or she's visiting. And she was visiting her her um, daughter, who was a physician in Houston, and she was here from Pakistan for a birthday party for her granddaughter. And um, they were having this big 
party, but she didn't really know anyone from the party except for her grand, her, 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 her granddaughter. So she was sitting on the bench by herself, and so I sat next to her. And when I found out, her daughter came by and said, oh, no, she doesn't know English. She's, she's from Pakistan. She's just here for this birthday. And so I knew she was in Pakistan. So I went to mylanguagemylife.com, and I went down to her language, and I clicked on it, and um, and I put my phone over towards her when once it was starting, and I clicked on the Jesus movie, and I sat next closer to her, and I showed it to her, and as soon as she heard and she recognized it was her language, she literally grabbed my phone from my hand, and for the next 45 minutes on the bench, she watched the Jesus movie in her language. And the whole time, I wasn't going to go anywhere. I just sat there, and I just prayed, and, and I just was as interested as can be, even though I couldn't understand a thing. But I knew the story, so I just kept praying for her heart. And then when we left, oh, they gave us some chicken and some rice to eat while we were on the bench, and they were, the, the daughter was pleased. So I wasn't uh, taking over because they were all having fun, and no one, she, she was happy I was entertaining her mother. Um, from and I was too. So I just ate, like you said, I just ate the rice around the chicken and just enjoyed watching the Jesus movie together. And when we were done, I gave her two more of these, and she stuck them in her in, in her outfit. And I just prayed for her. I don't even know her name, but there's two of these in Pakistan now, at least. And and you never know when you start use, passing these out, knowing that you may never see that person again. They have the gospel now, and God can use that and impress them when to start listening and to continue to listen. And if you want to, you can you you can put this website on your business card and on the back of your business card. I mean, they'll have your phone number so that if they are interested to get to know somebody and talk with someone real, you can have your phone number on the this website and stay in touch and see what God can do. So through ASAP Ministries, you can print out these cards. They're very cheap to order, and that's what we mean by you can have your phone number put on the back. Someone in the church who's willing to take the phone calls, if somebody calls, people don't call a lot, uh, maybe because they assume they'll get somebody in English, or I don't know why all, but it's there and it's available if they, they do want to. So we would encourage that. And... And how many how many hits a day about? There's about about 800 to 900 web page views a that day. are happening a day. So it, it's it's a start. You know, it's it's been growing steadily. I just look up here for a moment, and then you can take your own phones out, and I'd like you to try to find the language of the person on the card. But let me show you how. As you go to that first page, uh, there's widely used languages that are right there at the beginning. And But then if you're looking for one, scroll down through Africa. If you're on your phone, it's going to just be Africa that you see at first. And then come to what you're looking for. Or in Asia, let's find Urdu. If we go down to Asia, we go down to the bottom. Urdu is the language spoken in Pakistan. So we're coming down here to the bottom. And you know some languages are, are listed differently. Um, but there's Urdu. Click on Urdu. And depending on their cell signal or yours. I like to do it on their phone because then I can even save it to the desktop if they let me, or it's right there where it's easy for them to find. And there on the home page, you'll find um, Steps to Christ in Urdu that they can read. 
al-Salam Morning by someone who's doing ministry among Muslims, um, the Adventist World Radio, an Urdu Bible, and Jesus, Julie clicked on the Jesus film and went to that website where she was able to then press play and let the let it go and pretty soon the lady heard in her own language it starts with creation and briefly goes through into the birth of jesus and his life and death just let you hear the sound here for a moment and the smiles that break over people's faces as they hear their own language because you care about it. I mean, they can hear their own language anytime they want, but it's the fact that you have showed interest and have something that's in their heart language that makes a big difference. So take just half a moment to look and see if you can find. If you have a question of what language you have, just ask one of us here, and, and we can help, help you find it. You got it? Okay. You know all about this site, because he was helping me get it into the la- two, two languages of Chichewa, Tambuka from Malawi. So, yes. Okay. That would probably be in Europe. Let's see. So we're looking here. Let's just take a look in Asia, just in case it's there. Um, But there is a search engine at the top. Let's try that first. At the very top, we have, um, let's see if we can put in Tosk and see what happens there. And um, let's try Albania. How do we hit, okay, search, is that the one? Okay, I think it's just taking time because of it's slow. So you can use the search engine at the top and look a little more there. So yes, there, yes, that's a good question to ask. You will find that there's also so many things in English. If you go to the very top, you can again see it there. Um, we have we have added many things in English and Spanish. So if you're just if you're just an area where it's English and Spanish, you can certainly use it freely. And it's a good site, a stop for all kinds of things. If you look there under what watch, if you go to explore, it's more websites and small group material, especially for kids and young people, books and magazines, health, some of the top sites that our church has, like Lifestyle Matters, New Start, PlantWise Film that's just come out, um, Family and Wholeness, a multitude of counselors, Beautiful Minds, Wellness, Biblical Sexuality, Unhooked, Help for Addicts, and then areas where you can connect, finding a Seventh-day Adventist church near you, um, ADRA, asking for prayer, talking with a Bible counselor. So there's a lot there. Yes, David. So I looked up uh, Hindi and I, okay, then it finally connected. All right. I clicked on Hindi. You got to listen, watch, explore all these different options. Yes. So, so there, 
in the different languages, sometimes there only be one or two things. It may be just the Jesus film and a Bible, or it hopefully has Adventist World Radio. And sometimes you'll see the language, where that's the first thing, like Japanese. You'll see Japanese, and then you'll see English in parentheses. That's how we're trying to get every page. That's what Brother Wilson was working on with me the other day, is putting Chichewa first and then English second. Of course, everything there is just that language, but the first thing we want them to see is their language. So it's a, it's a site in development mode. I have someone who's just come back to church and spent a whole year and they want to be a member and we can't, aren't getting people connected. She's homebound. I'm like, we need to use these resources to help people in their homes Amen. and not just say, oh, well, next week. Amen. And, and as you're finishing up, if you didn't find it, then let, let us help you after our, our closing prayer. We'll help you to make sure you're comfortable and confident with this because it's such a blessing to use. But I will be on the phone taking care of my Verizon phone situation, no, my Expedia, my, my travel plans, and I'll end up talking with somebody, and there's a slight accent, and I'll say, by the way, where are you operating from? Oh, we're here in Egypt. I've had that four, five, six times. And I say, really? Oh, and you speak, what, is it Arabic? Yeah, we speak Arabic. I said, that's fantastic. How do you say thank you? And they'll tell me. And then I'll say, you know, before I go, if you have a chance, write down this website. We made a website that has over 180 languages, and it has Arabic. And I tell them, mylanguagemylife.com. And after three or four times, I had one say to me, yeah, I think I've heard about that around here. And that was thrilling to me to know that they were looking at it, at least talking about it. May the Lord bless you as you use it. And tomorrow we will get into what we were planning to do today, but I realized this was a piece that was strategic and important, that we focus on the reality that not only is it that the compassionate right thing to reach out to refugees at the end of time, as God has called us to show his glory, but it is a strategic thing to do because it takes the gospel to the ends of the earth, because many have come from countries that have fallen into war and trouble and people have had to flee. And so the very ones that are coming are coming from countries that have not had the gospel much at all. We want to take a moment to pray together now for the unreached people in your hands, and that's how we'll conclude our time together. Father in heaven, thank you for being with us today. Please continue to stir our hearts to bring us to awareness of those who are around us, courage and joy to reach out to them and your mighty love um, to follow through and to be consistently their friends. Pray for you to do as it promises in Isaiah 60, 22, that a little one will become a thousand, a small one, a strong nation. I, the Lord, will hasten it in its time. Father, none of us feel adequate to reach anyone for Christ, let alone a crucial person like a Paul or an Esther or an Ethiopian treasurer that can come but go back and impact their people. But Lord, we know time is short, and we're asking you to do a mighty thing through us to reach all the unreached people groups that you've sent to Michigan or Texas or wherever we are, and that in turn they will reach their own people and back to the ends of the earth, and Jesus will come back. Thank you, Father, and bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. To listen to more of these presentations, you may visit the audio archives at misda.org slash audio 22 or search for Michigan Conference Camp Meeting wherever you get your podcasts.